are so sweet. Oh, I love you guys. Y'all are awesome. I just tell you what a blessing it is to be in here and do some worship with some adults. Ah, so good. Look, good worship this morning. Um, really enjoy it. I'm excited to be here. I feel like God has really given me um, a message for you this morning, and I'm, I'm blessed to be able to deliver that. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. I am a little bit thinking about what's going on in there, you know. Are they okay without me? Do they even notice that I'm not there? Um, you know, I just, those, uh, it's my kids. It's, I love those guys in there. But I am going to tell you this, that um, I have an amazing group of people that are a part of our children's team. And um, on if, if, any given week, I could miss a Sunday and the team would just step up, take it and just roll with it because that's what they do. And that's, that's just, you know, that's what they do. And they have a heart for your children. They have a heart for the children of LifeGate. And so that's what they're doing. They're just, you know, rocking and rolling in there. I just know it. Um, so blessed, blessed. And not just in Life Kids, but in Tight Town and Tiny Tots, each of my teachers have a heart, heart for, for the for the babies and for the, the uh, pre-K of this, of this church. I'm blessed to be able to work um, beside them and next to them um, as a children's pastor. I want to thank my husband this morning for allowing me the opportunity to speak and to share um, and having the faith in me that I can do it. But I also hope that I don't embarrass him, you know. I don't want to, you know, embarrass him few things I say up here or whatever. Actually, I take that back. I do want to embarrass him a little bit because, you know, there's a few times I come out on a Sunday morning from children's church and I'm walking through the halls and I just get these little, you know, (laughs) I heard something about you today. (laughs) I'm like, really? Okay. Chat. And then this is what chat says. It was a teaching moment. (laughs) All right. I got a few teaching moments myself this morning. So, um, so I may, you know, might throw that out there and throw it in there. But anyways, happy Mother's Day. Absolutely. want to bless the mothers this morning. We love you. There's never a time that you stop being a mom, right? Now, my mom and dad were here this past weekend and uh, love it when they come because, you know, maybe it's because I get a little spoiled, you know? Mom comes in and my house is clean. It's clean, but when she leaves, it's immaculate, right? I'm, I'm not one of those those daughters that's like, mom, don't clean my house. Or I get threatened or I feel like, you know, insecure because she's cleaning my house because it's not clean enough. I'm just like, you know, if you want to, you know, there's dishes in the sink if you want to, you know, but, um, no, she really does. She spoils us and we love it. Um, but they came down for Chad's graduation and what do you do when you're a mom or a woman? I mean, women do this. I don't see men do this a lot, but women, if they have gum in their purse. They're going to pull it out and offer it to everybody around, right? Hey, would you like some gum? Hey, I got some gum. So that's what my mom does while we're at graduation and she gives us all gum. And then what do you do as a kid? You take that gum wrapper, you take that gum out, pop it in your mouth, take that gum wrapper, make it all small and you give it back to your mom, right? That's what my kids do. That's what I'm sure your kids do so that you can put it in your purse with all your other gum wrapper trash. But that's what I did. My mom gives us all gum and I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I got my purse in my lap full of gum wrappers already. And I'm like, here you go, mom. Oh, no. So I started to put it in mine and mom reaches for it. She's like, no, it's okay. I'll put it in mine. You know, that's just, I just 
So I just want to give a little shout out to my amazing mother. Love her so much. She is beautiful. She's a comforter. She is a uh, prayer warrior. I can call on her any time of the day, ask her to pray. And I know she's going to do it, and then she's going to follow up and see how things went. So love my mom, love my mother in love, love um, the man that she helped raise with her husband, um, with Chad's dad. I'm, I'm blessed because of the man that she, wrote, she raised. So she loves God, pursues him with all of her heart. So I just I love, love my mother in love. So mothers, we do. We honor you today, and we say you are special and you are beautiful. And... Um, Families, make sure and do something special. Say something special. Write something special to your mom this morning. Um, Just want to give a quick disclaimer. I've had a little bit of issues this week with my throat and with, you know, it sounds kind of funny already, but just want to, you know, throw it out there. Maybe, you know, stopping to take a little drink of water or unwrapping another cough drop. Um, If it gets a little warm up here, I start coughing and things might start, you know, just flying. So if it does, I'm just, I'm telling you now, because when it happens, I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. I'm just telling you. Okay. Um, gets kind of, gets kind of airy up here. Uh, but this morning we're continuing our series that Pastor Chad started a couple of weeks ago called I am. All right. And we're going to be talking about our favorite people, us, me, myself, and I, right? That's who we're going to be talking about. We're talking about who God created us to be, who we are in Christ, and um, what he has said about that. Now, before we go any further, if you see your hello, my name is tags on your seats, as we're learning who we are in Christ, we're also going to learn each other. I see some people already have them on. Way to go, guys. Y'all are already ahead of the game. Um, I don't have a marker up here, but I'm going to go ahead and put my tag on. My name's Amber. I'll write it on there later. But we want to get to know the people that we see every Sunday and the faces. And sometimes it's just, hey, sister, hey, brother, hey, friend, hey. You know, we just get so um, full of just faces in our minds that we forget to say the names. But we, we want to know your name as we learn about who we are in Christ this morning. Um, sometimes our biggest problem is that we don't really know who we are. Okay, we know what others have said about us. And we think we know who we are, but we really don't understand who we are in Christ. Many times we measure who we are by the wrong standards. Sometimes we think I am who I am because of what I do. What I do makes me who I am. Or what I've done makes me who I am. Or what others have done to me makes me who I am. Maybe even what I've accomplished, that's who I am. That's who I am. This is what I succeed at, so that's who I am. Or this is what I have failed at, that's what I am. These are all wrong standards that we, that we judge ourselves and, and try and say, I am this because of this. I do this because of this. Maybe um, at times we identify ourselves by where we come from. Well, my family is this, so this is what I am. Or this is how I was raised, and this is my background, so this is who I am. Sometimes we measure our identity by who we hang out with. Who we hang out with. But in this series, we're learning that we are not who we are because of what we've done or because of what we accomplished or where we've gone or what we're doing. 
We are who we are because of Christ and what he has done and who we are in Christ. And so this morning, this is kind of just going to lead us into our first, into our, into our thought, our bottom line, our idea this, this week. And this is what it is. When I know who I am, I will know what to do. When I know who I am, I will know what to do. Say that with me this morning. When I know who I am, I will know what to do. So when I see me as God sees me, I will do as God says. My identity will shape my activity. Let us review just a few things real quick this morning. First, we're going to review who we are in Christ. Next, we're going to review why can I have an identity in Christ, okay? I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. Um, There's a lot of messed up people in this room, right? We're all messed up. We all have issues. We all have these insecurities or we all have these inadequacies that we just let pile on top of us and we just hold them and we say, this is who I am. This is who I am and I'm messed up and that's just the way it is. But Sometimes, because we're messed up and we know that, we let that continue to shape our past. We let that continue to shape who we're going to be and what we're going to do. But that's not God's plan. That's not Christ's plan. So maybe your failures and your sin in your life in the past is what you allow to shape your activity. I've already messed up. I already did it. I might as well just keep on doing it. Now, when I was in junior high and high school, um, mostly junior high, I got more out of it in high school, but I was extremely, extremely timid. I just, I just was, I was quiet and I really believe, I remember, you know, I would say things to Chad and he would say them for me. Anyways, I remember these great thoughts that would just, you know, come into my head, but I wouldn't say them. Or I remember these like great moments where I could be funny, you know, um, but I wouldn't say them. So I was very insecure to share, to share uh, because I was so timid. I remember when I first started dating Chad, um, <laughs> I wouldn't eat in front of him. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would even, maybe water, but no drinks, and what if I spilled it? But I, would, I wouldn't eat in front of him, and <laughs> I would be so afraid that I was going to get those big old, you know, Ace Ventura, you know, he's got something in my teeth, that's what always was in my head. But what if something that got stuck in my teeth or if I got something on my face or down my shirt or on my pants and then I would just be so, oh, I couldn't handle the rejection. I couldn't handle somebody saying, hey, Amber, you got something right here. Or, oh, she's a slob. Did you see how she eats? Or just all these things that I know are the untruth. They're not real. But all these things I just let go through my head because I was so afraid of rejection. And I was so afraid that somebody was going to say, we can't be friends anymore. You're too uh, dirty, sloppy. You don't eat right. I don't know. I know that's weird. I'm going to say it again. But this insecurity and my insecurity, it really ushered in the inability for me to be the true me. For me to be me, I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of being turned away. I was afraid of what people thought. I was messed up. Now, some of you may feel like you've been rejected in life or you didn't achieve something that you knew you could have done and so you get down on yourself or something's wrong with me. 
I, I really screwed up in this area. I, I didn't handle that situation right. I didn't do this right. And you get really down on yourself. And if you've ever felt that way, let me tell you something. Um, you're absolutely right. You're messed up. Okay, without Christ, we are messed up. We are messed up. There is something wrong with you. And here's in Ephesians 2, this is what Paul said. Paul said, there's basically three things wrong with you. Now I'm just going to summarize. Three things wrong with you, and this is it. You're sinful, you're spiritually dead, and you're the object of God's wrath. Three things that Paul said. So if you're new with us to LifeGate, we just want to welcome you and make, you, make sure you feel good about yourself before you leave here today. Yeah. Uh, we, welcome. Welcome. Um, but you're sinful, you're spiritually dead, and you're the object of God's wrath. Now, in verse 2-4, this is what it says, but God is so rich in mercy, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Paul goes on to say that it is only by God's grace. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. So without Christ, we're messed up. But with Christ, we're this masterpiece. We're this masterpiece with Christ. Without Christ, we're messed up. With Christ, we're this masterpiece. Okay, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, this is what it says. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. We are created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. So that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Now you've got to understand this. We're not saved by our good works, but we're saved for our good works. Okay? So let's explain it this way. All the good things that we do, they don't save us. So we're not saved by them. But we are saved to do the good works for our master. That's what we're saved for. We're saved for good works. We are never saved by works, so we can never boast about it. We can never be proud about it. We can never say, I did this, so I was saved. Or I went here, or I talked to them, or I loved them. Over and over and over again, that's why I'm saved. No, not by our good works, but for our good works. We were saved to make a difference, to bring glory to God. Okay? I, I know that even when we're saved, there's still times where we feel like, I can't do right. I didn't do right. I'm not right. I messed up again. And there's going to be those times, but we were saved by grace. We were saved by grace. And so we are the masterpiece of God. We are. It's not so that people can say, oh, look at them. They're so beautiful. They're this beautiful masterpiece that God put together. No, it's not for that. It's for us to do and make a difference. So when I know who I am, I will know what to do. We are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ so that we can do the good things that God planned for us to do long ago. When I know who I am, I will know what to do. So, mothers, here's something else. 
We look at our children, you know, and they could be sleeping. They're the most beautiful angels. They're in their bed. They're beautiful. And we just sit and we watch and we're like, wow, that is beautiful. That is a masterpiece, right? They could be young. They could be babies. They could be grown. And we sit and we watch them sleep and we're like, hmm. Thank you, Father, right? Thank you. That is beautiful work right there. And even, even if they're out playing with friends and they're sharing and they're having, making new friendships and they're being nice to people, and we stop and we say, that's amazing. That's a masterpiece. God, we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do what God created us to do. Now, three thoughts that I pray penetrate to the core of you before we leave today. First one is this. As God's masterpiece, you were created for God's purpose. We're created for God's purpose. Okay? Um, We exist to bring glory to God. In Psalms 139, 13 through 16, David wrote this. God For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David wrote that in the Old Testament, and Paul writes this, for we are God's masterpiece. God wove us together. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the things that he planned for us to do long ago. When you know who you are, God's masterpiece, you will know what to do. Created to serve the master's purpose, and this is what I just love. This is something that's so beautiful to me, that In all of history, in all the span of time, in all of the years that we could have lived, God set aside this time in history for us to do his purpose, for us to do his work. Right now, you're here, you're not here because God was like, uh, I could save you for now or later. I could put you, I don't know, I'll just, no, God ordained for your time with your talents, with your makeup, with your personality, with your heart. Your purpose for this time. This is what he ordained. This is what he called into into motion and into purpose. This time is for you. We're not here to accumulate more. We're not here to gather more. We're not here to have more. We're here to bring glory to God. That's what we exist for. That's who we are. In our own specific way, we, as God's masterpiece, were created for the master's purpose. Created to do what he called you to do. Now, you may be sitting and thinking, that's all great and that's all good, but how do I find that purpose? How do I really know what that purpose is? I don't understand what the master's purpose is for me. Let me give you just a little something to start with, okay? In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, this is what it says. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? 
Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your, all your soul, all your mind. All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Let's start right there. What is the master's purpose for me? If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, you're going to be aligned with his purpose. Then if you begin to love your neighbor as yourself, that means people that surround you, people that you work with, people that nobody else likes, people that you don't like, you love them, you bring action to that love in their life, that's, that's the master's purpose. That's the master's purpose right there is to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is wrapped up right in that. That's where your purpose begins. That's where your purpose starts. How do you love your neighbor? When I know who I am, I will know what to do. Not what your flesh wants to do. Not what, oh, I just want to show them who's boss. Oh, I just want to show them. I just want to give them, mm, right? No. When I know who I am, I will know what to do. When I know who I am, I will know what to do. So that first idea, God's masterpiece, you're created for the master's purpose. Number two is God's masterpiece. You have everything you need to do everything that God wants you to do. Whoa, that's a little, right? Let's do that again. As God's masterpiece, you have everything you need to do everything that God wants you to do. In... For 2 Peter 1.3, this is what the scripture says. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us into himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. By God's divine power, not by our power, not by what we can do, not by what we can muster up, but by God's divine power. Thank you, Father, that we have his divine power, that it's not on us, but that we have everything that we need to do what he wants us to do. Think of it this way, okay? God never calls somebody to do something and then says, oh, no, 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 never mind. Not you. I don't know what I was thinking. Scratch that. Start over. No, God doesn't do that. He doesn't tell you to do something and then says, nope, mm mm-mm. Kind of like Moses, right? He tells Moses, Moses, you're going to be the one to help deliver the Israelites out of the hand, under the hand and the rule of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You sure, God? I don't speak very good, and I don't know if I would be loud enough. You know, if Pharaoh would even hear me. Oh, yeah, Moses. I'm such a goof. I don't know what I was thinking when I thought you could do it. Right? God doesn't do that. He's given you everything that you need to do what he wants you to do. By his divine power. By God's divine power. Now, here's a little problem and another area that we're really messed up. Is that sometimes we get masterpiece envy. And we think that, oh, you know what, God? If I could, you know, do it like them, I could do it. If I had what they had, 
or if I had her voice, or if I had her looks, or if I had his, you know, confidence. If I had what they have, I could do it. And we begin to compare ourselves, and we begin to look at what other people have. Oh, God, I want that. Just give it to me, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Right? Just give it to me, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. If I had their past, if I had their life, right? I'm not like him. I'm not like her. I don't look like her. I can't do it like that, God. And God doesn't say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Scratch that. No, he says, I've given you everything by his divine power for us to live a life of godliness, for life and for godliness, We got to quit looking at what other people can do. We got to quit saying, I can do it if I have that. I'll go and I'll be that person and I'll rise up and be that leader that I'm supposed to be if you'll just give me this. No, we've got to quit. God wants you to know that you have everything that you need to do what he has called you to do. You have everything. So I love this illustration, King Saul, right? We have King Saul in the Bible. He was a king. He was the first king of Israel, right? What an honor. He was appointed by God, anointed by God to to be the first king of Israel. And he starts to get a little jealous of this guy named David. You know, they start writing songs, and they're writing songs about King Saul. And they say, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands, And Saul goes, what? I want a new song. I want to kill tens of thousands, right? I don't know if I like this David guy hanging around anymore because everybody's talking about David. Everybody likes David more. He's cooler than me. He's this little kid, but... Right? And so King Saul begins to get this masterpiece envy when he should have just looked that God had given him everything he needed to be to be the king that he was anointed and appointed by God. And they had everything that he needed to do. Everything in order to be king. But he became jealous and he became envious. I want that, God. I want to do it that way. I want people to look at me that way. Romans 12 4 and 8. This is on the Message Bible. This is what it says. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach. Preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, Be careful that you don't get bossy. 
Stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let, the, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Look at who God created you to be and then be that. And know that you have everything. You have everything you need to stand up and say, God has called me. God has given me everything by his divine power to be the man or the woman of God. I just need to rise up. I just need to rise up and fulfill that purpose. So as God's masterpiece, you are created for the master's purpose. As God's masterpiece, you have everything you need to do everything that God wants you to do. And number three is, as the third thought comes, it's as God's masterpiece, God uses everything in your life to bring about his purposes. You see, God is a potter and we're the clay. And I just love this illustration. It's in Jeremiah, but what a powerful illustration to know that, you know, pottery gets broken sometimes. Sometimes it gets broken, but God is the potter and we are the clay. And God can mold and make according to his purpose, according to what he has called for you to do. In Romans 8, 28, this is what it says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you are a masterpiece. Created for the master's purpose. We have to walk through storms, though. We have to go through things that we don't understand. And we have to endure things that feel like they break us in half. But sometimes that's what we do when we're created in Christ. We have to do that to become stronger to fulfill his purposes. You see, the potter, he has a plan for the clay. But sometimes the clay, as he's molding it, decides we got to take things into our own hands sometimes. Sometimes we, we think, oh, I can fix this and I've got to fix it this way or I've got to make sure and, and mold it and make it this way for myself and it'll just be more comfortable. I'll just be better this way. When really, if we want to fulfill God's purpose in our life, the master's purpose, we have to trust him. We have to know that he has everything planned out. He has everything working together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, he's the potter, we're the clay. He's forming us. He's using things in our life to bring about good for those who love him. We have to have extreme confidence in him. You know, one of the stories in the Old Testament that, you know, is one of my favorite, and I've heard Chad preach about it several times, and we teach the kids about it a lot. But in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph, right? We all know Joseph probably. And if we don't, I'll give you a little, little synopsis here, okay? Synopsis, synopsis. Oh, no. I'm trying to use a big word. I don't really know. Um, I do that to the kids all the time. <laughs> Doesn't work out in here. Okay, so here we are in Genesis. 
And we have Joseph, and he's a young boy. Then he goes to his older brothers, and he says, hey, bros, I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to lead you guys, and you guys are all going to bow. God gave me this amazing dream, and then he gave me another one, and you guys are all going to bow down to me, and I'm going to lead you. Hmm. They didn't already like him already because he was his father's favorite, but they just really, that made him mad, made him jealous, made him upset. How are we going to handle this, brothers? Well, let's throw him in a pit, and then we'll decide. They throw him in a pit. They pull him out. They say, are we going to kill him, or are we going to sell him? Let's sell him. They're going to sell him into slavery. They get something for it. He goes into slavery, and do you think, after all these dreams that God had given Joseph, that he was going to be this leader. He goes into slavery and he thinks, yeah, this is the whole, I know God has a plan. Man, I, I don't know. I know, you, we know God has a plan, right? We understand this, but when we're going through a trial and when we're going through a storm, it's like, whoa, what you doing, God? Why you got to do it this way? Why couldn't you like just made me sick or something for a little while and then I'm going to get better and that would be a lot easier. No, he got thrown in. He was in slavery. He got sold to this man named Potiphar. And Potiphar, he, he ran his household really well. But as he was running it, he saw how, how um, talented and smart Joseph was. So Joseph became like head of this household. He's a slave leading this household. Well, Potiphar's wife, you know, she sees Joseph. And, you know, I'm thinking Potiphar, he's kind of a, he's a big dog in Egypt, you know. And so he probably has a pretty good looking wife. And she sees Joseph and she's like, hmm, I'm sure he would like me. So she gives him the look, right? And she goes over to Joseph and she's like, hmm. Right? She puts a little move on him, a little, you know, hey, come over here. Right? But Joseph had integrity, and as he's growing up and he's in slavery in this home, he has integrity for his master and for his God, and he runs away. Well, of course, she accuses him of, of trying to, you know, get with her. And so Potiphar says, to prison with you. Again, here's Joseph. I can do it. Yeah, God, I know you got a plan in this. You're so awesome. No, he's probably questioning God. God, what are you doing? I thought this was the way that you were going to raise me up to be the leader. God, I was learning. I was growing. But now I'm in prison again. I'm prison. Slavery was better than prison. These men stink in here. We can't take a bath. God, what are you doing? Right? So here's Joseph again. And through a series of events, Joseph gets to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And he interprets it right. And Pharaoh raises him to second in command over all of Egypt. The the land goes into famine. Joseph had given direction of what they needed to do seven years prior. Remember, he's smart. He's talented. He's a leader. So he's the second in command. So people from all over the land are coming to Egypt to get food because they have food. His brothers come. And this is what happens in Genesis after another series of events. Genesis 45, 4 and 8 says, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph. I am your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. 
It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will ravage it for five more years. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. So Joseph realized through all that time and all that hardship that God was molding him. He was molding this clay. He was molding this man into the man that he needed to be in order to lead a nation. It hurt and it was hard and it was drastic. But that's what had to be done. That's what had to be done. See, God is the potter and he has a plan for the clay. Some of you right now, you've gone through situations, you've gone through storms, you've gone through heartache, you've gone through it, and you feel like you're going through it again. And you were on your mountain, and now you're going back into the valley, and it just feels like, God, what is it? What are you trying to teach me? God is molding and making you into the man or woman of God that he has purposed for you to be. These storms are for a reason, and we have to remember that it is for his good, that he will work it all out, and it will be good, and it will be beautiful if we just trust him. If we just trust him, even when it's painful and even when we don't understand, just like when Joseph didn't understand, I I just know he didn't understand. I wouldn't have been able to understand. I would question God. What are you doing, God? But if you're living for his purpose, he works in all things to bring about good. And that's how good our God is. I urge you right now from the very depth of me that you allow God to mold you, to make you, and to to change you. We all need change. We all need growth. We all need to be molded at times in our life. So whenever you go through that, just let him mold. Let him make. Let him renew. Now here's the thing that we're going to kind of we're going to transfer a little bit into this as we, as we say, God, there's really something wrong with me though. I am really messed up and I am messed up because I am without you. I've never made that final first decision to truly, truly follow you, to truly say, you are my God. You are my King. You are my Lord. I've never given you, um, access to my heart. This morning, if you decide, you know what, I want, I want you to, I want God to completely have control over my pot. It's been broken for a long time. It's been broken. I've tried to glue it back together, but I need, I need the potter to remake me. In Jeremiah 18, 1 and 3, it says this. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the potter's wheel. He was using his hands to make a pot from clay, but something went wrong. Something went wrong with it. Maybe we tried to take control. Maybe we tried to fix it. Maybe we tried to manipulate it. I had a dream to be such and such and it didn't pan out. Something went wrong with my dream. I had hopes to be financially set by this time in my life, but something went wrong with my hopes. I thought that I'd be married by this time in my life, but something went wrong with my plan. 
But as I look at my life, I know that God has worked all things out for good. I want to serve God. I want to love God. I want to trust God. What do we do? What do we do when something went wrong? We let God remake us. We let God remold us. We, we let God have his way. And this is what it says in the rest of Jeremiah 1 through 3. It says, so the potter used the clay to make another pot that he want, the way he wanted it to be. Here's the good news. That God uses the same clay and he just remakes it. He uses the same clay and he just remakes it. He adds a little water and he adds a little love and he adds a little strength and he adds and he remakes that pot and he remakes that clay same clay that was broken that was hurting 